Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Titus, chapter 2. Titus, chapter 2. As I prayed and sought the Lord, what he would have for today, the Lord um, pointed me to this chapter in this book, in these verses we're going to read tonight and uh, today. And here in Titus, chapter 2, we, we, we read a few verses here and then uh, we'll pray as we uh, open God's word. Titus chapter 2, again, this is written by Paul the Apostle unto Titus, a man he personally trained in the ministry, and uh, he was serving the Lord. If you look in verse uh, chapter 1, you see where he was serving the Lord. He was, um, he was left uh, in Crete, and he served the Lord there, and he was ordained, he was as a uh, missionary as himself, ordaining elders and pastors for the churches there. And here in Titus chapter 2, we'll pick up in verse 11. Here, Paul is writing again to Titus, and he says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no man despise thy youth, uh, despise thee. Here, Paul again is writing to Titus, and we're going to focus here at verses 11 through 14. I want to show you three different points, and of course a few sub-points under those, but looking at three different points here, what we see from these verses and what basically God's exhortation um, um, through the words of Paul unto Titus, um, a man in the ministry. So let's pray. Dear Holy Father, Lord, I pray that you please um, bless this time, Lord, as we look into your word. Help us, Lord, to have a uh, desire in earnest hearts, Lord, to receive from you the engrafted word, Lord, that we will see here today. Fill me with your spirit, put in my mouth your words, that I might know how to speak, Lord, and speak with wisdom and power, Lord. I pray that you please hide me behind your cross, Lord, that people would see you and not me, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would please be glorified in all that is done today. Help us, Lord, to be leave here changed into a better man, um, to be more like in the image of Jesus Christ, Lord. We love you, Father, and we glorify you, Lord. Say these things in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So here in Titus chapter 2, here we began off in verse 11. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Now, I don't know what you believe, but I believe that every word of God is the inspired word of God, the infallible word of God. I believe that God's word, every word that has been put in here has been put here specifically in its order, how it's written. And so here in verse 11, we're going to look here verse by verse, uh, verses here at these four verses. But here we see, for the grace of God. That's the very first thing, the grace. Grace is that which is receiving that which you do not deserve. Okay? Grace in in the example, for example, for those who might have children, if your child does that which is wrong, okay? Grace is when you give them Forgiveness or love instead of chastisement. That's grace. God's grace, here it says it's very specific. It's not someone's grace. It's not Muhammad's grace. It's not Buddha's grace. 
It's not the Pope's grace. It's not your grace. It's God's grace. It comes from him. Here it says, God's grace, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation. What does God's grace bring? It brings salvation, hath appeared to all men. Now, here we're going to, the very first point we're going to look at, and this the, we're going to look at three main points, and here the very first main point we see, we see in verse, thir- verse 11, we see the doctrine of salvation. Doctrine, again, talking about that spiritual teaching and instruction from the Word of God. The doctrine of salvation. What is that? Here we see number one. This is number, the first sub-point here. Point number A. We see salvation is of and because of God's grace. Here we could look at Ephesians chapter 2. If you turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. We see this is again a very well-known verse. Many of us know it by heart. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He says again, the grace of God brings salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's very clear. Uh, Acts, the book of Acts chapter 15. The book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles chapter 15. Verse 11. Here. The apostles are, um, they're speaking here and it says, but we believe, Acts 15 verse 11 says that, but we believe, what do we believe? That through grace, through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Here the people, these people, these brethren, they said, but we believe that through grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. The very first doctrine of salvation is that you are saved by grace. It's a very well-known thing. We know this. As a born-again believers, we know this. You wouldn't be here today if it wasn't, of, if it wasn't, because, if it wasn't for God's grace. You're here because God has been gracious to you. Here we see the very first doctrine of salvation. Salvation is of and because of God's grace. Point number B, under here, the doctrine of salvation, we see God's grace has appeared to all. It's evident to all. It says, for, again, verse 11 in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath what? Hath appeared to some men? To most men? No, to all men. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, is evident to all. As we read in Romans chapter 1, it talks about how people, if you actually turn there, actually, Romans chapter 1, we read about how the grace of God, the salvation of God, that which we know of God is evident to all, and we're without excuse. Romans chapter 1, begin off, verse 19, it says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Here in verse 20 it says, For the the invisible things of him, the things of God, having manifest, in verse 19 we see that, the things that may be known of God is manifest in them, has been made known to them. 
And the things of God, the invisible things of Him from the creation are clearly seen. You know, as I, you know, I want to share the uh, ministry, uh, the, our mission, the ministry to Canada, the mission field of Canada. I, I talked about how a large population of the people are atheists. You know, you know something? There's no such thing as an atheist. There isn't. Why? Because God says that they're made known. They know that there's a God. Atheists believe that there's no God. So how there's no atheist? Because they are willingly ignorant. They have shut off. They have, they have basically quenched that voice in their heart saying, There is a God. He is. And, and, and they've quenched that voice of God's word and his spirit, convicting them and showing them the truth. They're willingly ignorant. Here they say that, they, that they, these things have been clearly seen and that so that they are without excuse. The grace of God is, has appeared to all. Has appeared to all men. We are without excuse. So here we see God's number one, the very first point. We see the doctrine of salvation. And we see what, God, what God's grace teaches. What, the, uh, what is the teaching of salvation here? Now, point number two, we see in verse 12 and 13, we see the discipleship of sovereign grace. What does the sovereign grace, what does our sovereign, our sovereign Lord's grace teach us? It says, teaching us, what? For the grace of God. Teaching us that. Number one, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So what does God's grace teach us? Number one, this is point number A, under the main point, number um, the discipleship of sovereign grace. We see, what does it teach us? Number one, to deny. Deny what? Well, there's two different things. We are to deny ungodliness, and we're to deny worldly lusts. This is written to the born-again believer. It is not written to the unsaved. Here it says deny. The deny means to renounce, to reject, to refuse, to say no to. That's what it means to deny. Here this word, it says teaching us that denying. When I was studying through this, I looked at each word. Again, I, like I already said, I believe every single word has been specifically written as it is and is put in a specific place as the Lord sought fit. Hear this word denying in the English ling- language. What tense is that? That's the present continuous tense. In, in any case, I could say, I am denying. We don't have that, those two words, I am. But it's basically left out with the knowledge that it's there, that we are denying Denying, present continuous. That means you are supposed to be continu- that you are supposed to be doing it right now until without end. Into the future. I am denying. Not I will deny or I was denying. I am denying. Saying no to what? Ungodliness. That which does not pertain to God. That which is wicked, evil, that which is sinful. Ungodliness. Not like God. Say no to it. We're to say no to sin. We have in Romans 6, we talk, it talks about the, 
the uh, comparison how we are we have been raised up into unto newness of life, and we were once in darkness. We are to walk in light. We're no longer enslaved, enslaved into sin, but we've been we are been set free to serve unto God in righteousness. We're to deny the former things. We're to say no to it, ungodliness and worldly lusts. Lust talks about that earnest, abnormal desire or craving. First John chapter 2 talks about that. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For he that loveth the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the, love of the, fle- the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. God says, love not the world, neither the things in the world. What is in the world? The lust, the lust of the flesh, the lust, that which your flesh desires, that craving to have something, the lust of the eyes, that which you look at, to feed that desire inside you. And the pride of life is those goals that human might have to, to attain to this greatness that won't bring satisfaction. These things God says deny, put it off, refuse it, renounce it, reject it. God's grace teaches us, number one, we are to be denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. Number two, we are to live, we, it says in verse 12, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. God's, work, God's grace shows us, number one, to deny these things. And then what? To live how we want? No. To live soberly. That means not wild or insane. Self-controlled. Subdued, and subdued in manner. Sober. We, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it talks about that we are, to, we are not of the day, at night, but of the day we are to watch and be sober. We're to not be wild. We're not to be insane. We're not to give in to our emotions. We're to be controlled and self-controlled and self-subdued. We're to be sober. We're to live soberly. Number two, righteously. That means that which is right, that which is free from wrong, guilt, or sin. That which is holy. We're to live righteously. And thirdly, we're to live godly. That which is Godlike, to live as God is. In um, First Peter, I think it's either First or Second Peter. Let me check here. Yeah, um, yeah, First Peter, three Peter chapter one. We see where it says, "But he that which has called you is holy." But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. But because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. These are just one of the attributes of, one of, the attributes of God. Holiness. To live godly means to live as, to be godlike. We're not to be like Lucifer was, as like, I will be that. I will be God. No. But we're supposed to be like him. We're to act like he is. To be Christ-like. God desires us to live soberly. God desires us to live righteously. 
which we see in Ephesians 4, 24, that you put on the new man, which is created, which is which which created after God in holiness and in righteousness and true holiness. We have been created into a new man, which has been created after God in righteousness and true holiness. We're to live righteously and godly. So God's grace teaches us, number one, to deny, number two, to live, and number three, to look. Back to Titus chapter two, if you're already there, then here it says in verse 12, sorry, verse 13, says looking. Again, present continuous. I am looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking for what? We're to be looking Again, present continuous. I am looking for what? Number one, blessed hope. <laughs> what blessed hope? Well, according to First uh, Peter chapter one, First Peter chapter one verse thirteen says, "Wherefore gird up your loins, the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ." We can look at Romans chapter 8. Look at there at your own time. We don't have time right now. But really, this blessed hope, what is that talking about? The coming of our Lord. The redemption of our bodies. Romans 8 talks about how the, the, the creation groaneth for the coming, the redemption. Even the creation around about us, the animals, the plants, they groan. Why? Because when we sin. We brought tribulation upon ourselves and upon the creation. And even the creation. And we ain't grown in our spirits, Lord. Lord, I'm waiting for that blessed hope. That hope that I know that you're coming back. As we see in John, right? He says, um, John chapter 14. says, um, let me read that again. John 14. Let, your not hearts, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Our blessed hope that he's coming again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. We are to be looking for that blessed hope, the returning of our Lord. The redemption of from this body and from this sin, the sinful worldly uh, world, the sinful and evil world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing, the glorious appearing of our Lord. Matthew 24 says, Watch ye, for ye know not when the hour cometh. We're to be looking for the coming of our Lord. Revelation chapter 22, we read the desire. One of my one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Revelations chapter 22. I have a lot of favorite verses, but this is one of them. Revelations chapter 22, 20, it says, the last, one of the last verses in the Bible, it says, He which testifieth these things saith. Who's testifying? The Lord Jesus Christ. Read the verses previous. It says, Surely I come quickly. Period. Amen. Period. That means it's true. Then we see John's yearning. It says, even so, Lord. Even so, come, Lord. Even so, Lord, come. I've seen your glory. 
I have seen what awaits us. Lord, come. I'm looking for it. God's grace teaches us, number one, to deny ungodliness and world possession. Number two, to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Shows us how to live, to put off the carnal man, to be renewed in the spirit of mind, and put on the new man. And to look, be watchful. Be waiting for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we've seen, number one, the doctrine of salvation. Number two, the discipleship of sovereign grace. And number three, and this is where we end, is in verse 14. We see the determination of the Savior. We see who gave himself for us. Who? The Lord Jesus Christ. The sa- our Savior, Jesus Christ, in the previous verse. Who gave himself for us. That he, who? Jesus Christ, might redeem us from all iniquity. And purify unto himself. Who? Unto himself, unto Jesus Christ. A peculiar people, zealous of good works. God, what was the determination of the Savior? That through his death, through his sacrifice upon the cross, he says he gave himself for us. He paid the price for our sin. We have that song, that wonderful song. I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have hung upon the cross with this great, but Jesus, God's son, took my place. Jesus came down from heaven with love and grace in his eyes and his heart and took the place to the suffering that was deserving, that which we deserved. God's grace is boundless and amazing. And the determination of the Savior was, number one, that through his sacrifice upon the cross, he would, what? Redeem us. Redeem us. Redeem means to purchase back. To regain possession of by payment of a stipulated price. Redeem. You are redeemed. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed. You're bought back. To be redeemed means, number one, what does it mean that we are redeemed? It means that, number one, you are creating God's image. You had to be his first. To be redeemed, that means you had to be someone's first. You were God's. At the very beginning of creation, Adam and Eve, Adam was made in God's image. We were his. Then we were sold under sin through our own works. We were condemned unto sin. We were sold under sin. Romans 7, 14 talks about that. We sinned and therefore we were judged and we were separated from the grace from our Lord, from our God. There was a wall of partition between us, but Christ through his sacrifice broke down the middle wall of partition and made one again and made us nigh unto unto God through the blood of Christ. We have been redeemed. We once were gods, but then we were sold under sin. We were separated from God. But then Christ, he came down and redeemed us and brought us back. Paid for our price and purchased us back to God. We have been redeemed from our sin. From all, that's important, all iniquity. Not just some or not just most. 
but all. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man in um, uh, Psalms 33. Blessed is the man in whom is no transgression, in whom is no. Let me read that first. I'm sorry. Bless, uh, Romans, uh, sorry, Psalms 32 says, Blessed in, is, is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, not, not iniquity and whose spirit there is no guile. Blessed. You are called blessed. Why? Because we have been redeemed from all iniquity. He paid the price. He took our iniquity upon himself. God's determination, the determination of the Savior was, number one, to redeem us. And, number two, to purify us. To purify means to cleanse, to free from guilt or moral defilement. Purify him, purify us unto himself. What? A peculiar people. There's two different things. He, pur he purified us. How? So that we might be what? A peculiar people. That means personal belonging solely to someone to be his, no one else's, his prized possession, his, 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 his dear possession. Ephesians 1 talks about that. We are his and no one else's. A peculiar people. Number two, a zealous people. That he might purify, redeem, he gave, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. God has redeemed you and pure. If you are born again believer, then you are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And you have been purified by the washing of the word to be a peculiar people, to be different from everyone else. Peculiar, we use that word here today in our world today to being strange or, or unusual. God wants you to be unusual and strange from this world. A stranger in this world. Peculiar people, his personal possession and a zealous people. Talks about a warmly engaged or ardent. You're so ardent, on fire! For the Lord, zealous in good works. Ephesians 2, 2 verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that we might live in that. We, are, we have been created unto good works. We're to be zealous of good works. God desires his people to be like this. So we've seen... Number one, the doctrine of salvation. And if there's someone here who's not yet repented of their sins and believed in Jesus Christ, understand that grace of God has been shown to you. You're here today only because God has been gracious to you. The breath that you have, that you breathe, every time you take a breath, you had the breath of life in you that was given you and you'd be taken away as quickly as it was given. If you're not born again here today, then understand that God has shown grace to you and that it's only by the grace of the Lord that you can be saved through faith. It takes repentance and belief. If you, after service, ask my testimony. I, would desire, I love sharing my testimony. Why? Because I understand the Lord's been gracious to me. My name, Sean, means God is gracious. I feel that very deeply and very strongly. The Lord's been gracious to me. 
God brought me from a point of knowing the truth to the point of recognizing and believing it. From the point of knowing it to understanding that, yes, I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay the punishment. But Christ paid it for me. That's grace. You are saved by grace. We see the doctrine of salvation. We saw the discipleship discipleship of sovereign grace. Christian, God's grace teaches you something. Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Romans 6. The discipleship of sovereign grace. And finally we saw the determination of the Savior. God had a determination. The Lord Jesus Christ had a purpose and a reason why he paid the price. To purify, to redeem us, number one, and to purify us. Let us walk as let us walk in the image of Christ. How should we walk as a Christian in this present world? The Lord showed us from this passage we're to live soberly, righteously, and godly. We're to walk as a peculiar people, we're to walk as a zealous people, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, shown grace unto, denying the things of this world. Let us live and walk as we should before the Lord. I hope that the Lord continues to speak to your heart through these verses. Let us pray.